Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we're going to break down where things stand in the Big Ten college tennis season, as we alluded to on both our men's and women's episodes of The Deciding Point this week. We are very near the end of the college tennis regular season. Just two more Big Ten conference weekends to go before we reach the conference tournament, before we reach the start of postseason play. As as such, we only have two more Big Ten cross-court casts for all of you on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. And if you aren't already, I highly implore you, tune into our coverage, which usually begins around noon every Sunday. We cover all of the camera-covered action happening in the Big Ten. So many fantastic matches across the country as so many teams, particularly on the women's side, fight for their postseason lives. Again, only two weekends to go. You're going to feel that desperation in every match we see unfold. You can follow all of that action every Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. And in case you have yet to tune in, what we're going to do on today's show, offer an update, again, on where things stand in the Big Ten, both the men's and women's side. We want to talk about the teams that have stood out, you know, how good, what are the ceilings on some of these teams, not only this season, but as we look towards the future now as well. And then, We'll preview some of the action you're going to see this weekend, some of it on our Cracked Rackets broadcast, others scattered throughout the weekend. And if you're going to try and cover all of those topics, it always helps to have someone here to help you steer the ship along the way. I am so fortunate to have someone on the show today to do just that. He's a man you will recognize quite well from his multiple appearances on our Cracked Rackets podcast, your co-favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, founder of the No Ad No Problem blog, typically our West Coast correspondent, but I'm dragging him to the Midwest, which is in no way West in the western portion of the United States. Nevertheless, a man who must love a good oxymoron or a good paradox. It's our friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. A two-podcast week for you. Are the vocal cords okay? Well, they're certainly not yours, but they're <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Midwest is an area that I don't dabble in. For those of us, we don't really focus too much on whether it's West or not. It's just flyover country for us here on the coast. Um, but no, excited to be here. Excited to get the call for a conference specific show to go deep on some of this stuff. We typically took cover all the highlights on the weekly shows. And I'm also excited to, to talk about some men's tennis as well. I like these conference deep dives because we get to nerd out. We get to look at the stats of all these individual players, look at some individual matchups, get into the rankings, projections, things we do certainly on our deciding points, but not to the extent we're able to do when we're just locking in on one conference. 
Two quick follow-ups off of that. One, I hate the term canceled because I just think it's the stupidest thing. Like, it's just not a thing. At the same time, is referring to us as the flyover states a cancelable, cancelable offense? I feel like it's right on the border, right? Like, <laughs> you're 85% of the way there. Secondly, in reference to my vocal cords, because you know what we don't do on these podcasts enough, Jay. That's talk about me. Uh, we did our Sunday broadcast, our Sunday, Friday broadcast last week of the SEC, and those are typically... 10-hour days because there's always a match that lingers. Uh, They're very, very fun, and I feel more informed doing my job this year than any year previously, which is a testament to that other conference, which I shouldn't have said the name of. I apologize, Big Ten, and the other broadcast we do on Fridays. I walk upstairs after 10 hours of broadcasting, and my dad asked me some question, and I went on this rant for 30 seconds, and one of my roommates said it best. He goes, Alex, anytime you talk for more than 30 seconds consecutively, I know to tune out because it's just nothing I want to (laughs) hear. And my dad stops me and he goes, you can still talk after all of that talking? I was like, yeah, that's what I do. And he's like, I'm impressed. I was like, it's the first time he's ever been impressed at my job. Um, So I was like, well, that's not true. Did the apple fall far from the tree? He would say yes, no. The answer is no. He can talk. I mean, here's the thing. He would be the high profile talker in our family. The real truth is my mom spends 10 hours a day talking at her office seeing patients. So it's like she can also talk with the best of them. I also have two brothers. It's a loud, it's a loud table. Um, it's yeah, it gets except for my little brother, who just kind of sits there and laughs. Um, poor guy, he's just been drowned out his entire life. He is the Northwestern women's tennis of our table, and that they're really, really good, but they're drowned out by the super big names. That's probably Nicholas Gruskin, really, really good, but drowned out by the super big name. Anyways. Where- you're the super big name. Got it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's referring to me. And Eric, yeah. my older brother, would say himself. I just fundamentally disagree. Um, but that's a conversation <laughs> for a different time. That said, again, welcome to the deep dives, my friend. We're able to have those sorts of tangents when we're not live on YouTube and Westoff's not screaming at me. Move on. Uh, but with yeah. that said, of course, before we move on to our Big Ten discussion, have to give a shout out to all of you who tune in and specifically to our Cracked Rackets college tennis community, to be able to have a group to turn to, to embrace a level of the sport we think is overlooked, but we know is beloved by those fans who are aware of its presence. College tennis is it's better than it's ever been, in my opinion, and for all of us to be able to embrace it together, that's what we try to create here at Cracked Rackets. We get closer and closer to it every day. We are happy but not yet satisfied at where we have come to, but that's a huge credit to all of you who continue to tune in. So thank you for your support, for embracing Jay and Chris and Matt and all of our nonsense. We are greatly appreciative of that fact. We're also extraordinarily appreciative to our friends at Turna for their support of this show and all of you well aware of the fact. Grips, strings, more, all available from our friends at Turna. They're all rated best in the business, folks. Ask anyone anecdotally, professionally. They're number one for a reason. We're so happy to be associated with them. If you'd like to join the Turn team, you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com today. You mentioned Cracked Rackets sent you. Not only will we appreciate that fact, but they'll hook you up with discounted pricing, hook you up with free samples as well, treat you at like family. That's what we're about here at Cracked Rackets. That's what Turn is about as well. Email sales at uniquesports.com today to join the Turn of family. With that, that said, Jay, let's dive into the Big Ten. Not a conference you and I talk about too frequently on our show as it pertains to the women's scene because we can be honest, all due respect to Wisconsin, who I thought put together a very admirable performance at the 2021 National Indoors, Ohio State was the only team with significant results. And when you have only one team in the conference generate significant results at the National Indoors, that does supremely hurt the rankings for just about everyone. You don't have two, three teams with shots at three of the top 16 teams in the school. It just hurts everyone with the way the rankings formula is based. Now, certainly, again, Ohio State has done its job. Wins over Pepperdine, you know, uh, a good two and one at the national indoors as well. Wins over Auburn and I believe Florida. So I believe two SEC wins, if memory serves me correctly. I think I called both of those matches. It's been a year, Jay. It's been quite the year. Um, Certainly, Ohio State did its job. 
But I mean, we saw for the Big Ten in 2021 the dividends it paid to have both Northwestern and Ohio State in the final eight. It feels it felt like it dragged the rest of the conference along. And yes, Michigan has a really good win over Cal and played Pepperdine close, played North Carolina close, but close doesn't do anything when it comes to the rankings formula. Yes, Northwestern, 12 and 6. They've played a lot of good matches throughout the course of the year, but they don't have a signature victory. Wisconsin, 13-7. and I believe they have five 4-3 losses, but all those matches were 4-3 losses. And, you know, you look overall in the conference, they've got, you know, uh, I believe seven different teams ranked inside the top 75. And, you know, still seven different teams in the conference, I would say, in the hunt for postseason play. Here's my question to you, and we'll start with the Big Ten women. Are the Big Ten women good this season? Is there better depth in the conference this year than there has been in seasons past? Well, I think those are two different questions, right? Okay. One is, is the conference good? And the second is, how's the depth? Um, <clears throat> because I, I would argue that the top of the conference is probably a tad weaker than we've seen in years past. And, you know, you mentioned Ohio State, who is at the top of the Big Ten's women's conference this year. All those wins that you mentioned, you know, Auburn, Florida, Oklahoma State, Tennessee at kickoff weekend, those were those are some of their best wins. Additionally to Pepperdine, those were January, February wins. Right. And so I think the hard part with the Big Ten and we see this actually. And just to add to it, and I apologize for cutting you off. Those are very good wins. They are not signature victories. They are not top 10 wins. The Pepperdine win is a signature victory. And that is probably the one – I mean, Michigan over Cal. I don't know if Cal counts as a signature victory. I guess that's a debate we can have. But in my opinion, and to your point, Ohio State you know, over Pepperdine is not only – well, that was a later match. But that's like the one signature victory the women's conference has this year. Yeah, exactly. And then you start to factor in like – the, all of their, their victories, you know, Pepperdine and all of the other ones I mentioned, those were also all indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, they start to, there starts to be a discount factor right throughout the season. And it's tough to weigh and evaluate the conference because so much of it is front loaded in the indoors part of the season. And then they move to conference play and they start to, particularly the top teams in the Big Ten, kind of roll through weekend to weekend. And then you're sitting here in mid-April, early May going, I don't actually know how good this conference is because they end up being so insulated, right? And particularly this year where it was really just Ohio State who got those good wins. So I would say the top of the conference is a little weaker than it has been in past, certainly in the, um, you know, DiLorenzo years of the 16-17 Ohio State's. But it does feel like or the, the Bollinger to Beck this year's for Michigan, 2010 to 2015. I mean, again, Michigan was in the yeah. Sweet 16 last year. Right. And Michigan is, I mean, there's always and one. And by the way, Northwestern, too. Claire Pollard won what? Like eight out of 10 Big Ten titles. And they were perennially a you know Sweet 16 or quarterfinals totally. type of team. Usually exactly. you have at least two of the three in the top 16. This year, you're lucky to have one. Yeah, I think that's very well said, right? I was going to say you usually have like two, maybe three in the 16, and then you have like one of those knocking on the door of the quarterfinal, right? Exactly. Exactly. Whether it's like Michigan loses a tough one, the Sweet 16 to Stanford, like that sort of storyline is typically what ends up happening. Hey, Michigan wins doubles against Pepperdine last year. Who knows what happens? We should have won that doubles. I was on the call. We should have won that doubles point. Anyways, there you go. Anyways. Uh, anyways, so there's usually one, right? Now, obviously, Ohio State is that team this year. Um, but I think the the other two are probably not where they're u- used to being or have been in the past years or where they will be in the future. So how good is the top of the Big Ten? I think it's a little less saturated in that like top 16 uh, realm than it has been in years past. But on the flip side, you know, that like 30 to 55 range feels like a lot of the teams who used to be in the 60 plus range have started to inch their way towards uh, towards that range, which is just good depth for the conference. Yeah. And again, as you look at the Big Ten uh, conference and these standings as we head towards postseason play, because certainly the standings will matter as you look at the Big Ten tournament, who's going to get the shot to play who right now, the only undefeated team is Ohio State 7-0 and overall in conference play. They got their 4-3 win over Michigan. They got their 5-2 victory this past weekend over Northwestern as well. 
We talked about this on the deciding point. Ohio State currently ranked 11th. They're projected 9. Now, if they flip one of those 4-3 losses early in the season on the road at Duke or NC State, this team is probably a top 8 seed. They don't have, like, there's just not enough left on the board for them because even if they beat Michigan again in the conference tournament or Northwestern, and they would probably, I mean, they will probably only play one of them. You look at the conference standings right now Michigan uh, currently six and one overall, uh, Northwestern seven and one, but they've already beaten the Wisconsin's of the world. And, you know, again, I, I think one of them still plays Illinois. Actually, they may both play Illinois. I'll, I'll look at the schedules momentarily, um, but you look for. For these teams right now, it is projected Ohio State, you know, Ohio State won Northwestern and Michigan tied for that second spot. They have not played yet. Uh, but again, I mean, it's just where the win, like there's not a top 16 win left for them to earn in the regular season, let alone a top 10 win or another signature victory for put them to put on the board. And you look for Duke, Virginia, NC State, they've all beaten each other up and Oklahoma and Virginia have already locked up two spots. You know, Pepperdine is probably going to get a third spot as well. And, you know, now you're competing with Texas, who still has another shot at Oklahoma, and they have another shot at Oklahoma State and Iowa State and Baylor. And, you know, again, there's a t- that's the difference with this Big Ten. And you said it perfectly. And I apologize for this monologue. The depth is there. It's just not very top-heavy this season. Yeah, but there's a... Um... There's like a, a, a no, chasm there. The deep there, depth right? is there. The yeah, deep exactly. depth is there. Teams exactly. seven through 13, like 14, they're all solid this season. It's You're right, 100%. and it's an extended top. It's the it's the 1 to 30 range. There's just not enough. You know, we don't have five 1 through 30 teams. We have right. two and a half. Yeah, and you look or at the things that half, really, really. Yeah, you look at the things that are really going to move the needle for your ranking – is a, it's a, a top 10 win or it's a handful of those 10 through 25 wins. And when you look on the board for Ohio State, yes, and another win over a Michigan or Northwestern will help, but those are on the margins, right? That'll be kind of their seventh, eighth, nine best win. You know, we're talking a few additional points. So when you talk about these other teams, they look into conference play. Not only do they have shots at you know, a handful of teams in that 10 to 25 range, they also have shots at a top 10 team. So um, it's really tough for any of these big 10 teams to gain much uh, down the home stretch here. Michigan's got a tough schedule left. Nebraska comes to town. You look for the Nebraska team. They've been pretty damn solid. 12 and eight, number 55 in the rankings. Michigan then goes to Iowa. They've also got Illinois coming in on a Friday. Northwestern coming in on a Sunday. Again, those are two, you know, Northwestern right now, a top 35 team. Illinois certainly in the NCAA hunt. Those are two teams that will be hungry coming to Ann Arbor. Northwestern's got the Michigan match left. They've got at Illinois, at Michigan. Michigan State as well. Again, right now there are four teams within a single match of one another. Uh, Ohio State undefeated. We're going to assume they're going to stay that way since they've beaten both the Wildcats and the Wolverines. Northwestern Michigan both have one loss. Wisconsin and Illinois have two. Now, Wisconsin has lost to both Northwestern and Michigan. They play Ohio State at home this weekend. On our episode of The Deciding Point, I predicted an upset of Ohio State by Wisconsin. We'll get to that a little bit later in this show. Illinois still has, you know, again, the one-loss teams remaining, Northwestern and Michigan. They can play spoiler in this as well. With that said, let's transition here to talk about those two and three teams, Northwestern and Michigan. I want to talk about them, uh, A, as we look towards this season, but also B, as we look towards the future. I think these are two teams who, yeah, certainly this year, if you're Ronnie Bernstein, you're a little bit disappointed. Your team, you know, looking back, Old Dominion, Mississippi, Georgia Tech, that was a region you very well could have won and could have been at the national indoors. Your team has not played good doubles throughout the course of the season. And, you know, getting it was funny. I was around the team last week, having been in Ann Arbor, and it was doubles week. All they were working on in doubles. You saw completely new pairings last weekend against Michigan State. They actually win the doubles point. And the fact that this team is 18 and 23 in individual double sets, yet 12 and 5 overall, and 6 and 1 in Big Ten play. It's a testament to the success that they have had uh, in singles. And you look for them again, 67 and 24. They're winning 74% of their singles matches. They're having 
equal amounts of success just about everywhere. Although certainly, you know, Julia Fliegner, the freshman, nine and five overall, six and five at the five spot, feels like every match comes down to her in a third set. And that's why big picture, I think, for this team, who's going to bring everyone back into their singles lineup, you know, only lose one player off the roster. And Anka's great, of course, but everyone's back for this Michigan team next year. You feel like this is the building season next year, the year after, just this, the rest of this Kari Miller era. Uh, you feel like you have a big window open. At the same time for Northwestern, yes, they're going to lose You know, the older of the hand sisters who's at the number one single spot for them this season. Yes, uh, they're going to lose one of the transfers they brought in this offseason in a uh, transfer coming over from Duke and Emma Lazich. That said, the core of this Northwestern team, Shusharina and Sydney Pratt and Justine Leong and obviously hand number two in Christina Hand, they're all coming back next season. And again, you look for this Northwestern team whose record 12 and 6 doesn't sound particularly spectacular. You know, a 4 3 loss at Kansas, a match they very well could have won. You lose 4 1 at Duke, no shame in that. 5 2 at Ohio State, no shame in that. You know, again, early season losses, 4-3 at Georgia Tech, 5-2 at Vanderbilt, 4-2 kickoff weekend awake. I think this is a good season for this very young group. I think both of these teams are frisky this year. Like, I want no part of them as the number two seed in my region. And I think both should be expected to be top 16 teams and maybe even Michigan's case top eight come next year. Yeah, I mean, certainly on the Michigan side first, you feel pretty bullish, right? I mean, you mentioned they don't lose anyone. They bring in Elizabeth Jones, I believe, uh, a Michigan uh, Michigan native in freshman blue chip recruit. So it's everyone this year, plus a year better, plus a recruit that you know, didn't take anyone out of the lineup. So no reason that they are not much better than they are next year, particularly if they start winning doubles with, these, with this lineup. They can flip some of those fourth three matches. So you feel pretty bullish there. Northwestern, maybe a little bit less so. I think I have been a little disappointed with Shusharina's sophomore season this year. Um, I think that's been a little bit of a letdown from her last season as a freshman. Um, I'm not aware of any. She's dealt with blue some chips injuries that- early in the season, though. Let's be clear. And so, again, I, I fair point. I would just also add that note. Yeah. And that's always good context. Um, I just don't see necessarily the upside on the Northwestern team as much as I do the Michigan team. Here's the thing. I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, I'm going to agree slightly. I think if you're asking me, give me your best two, I actually think, well, hmm. no, because Kari Miller is the clear-cut number one. And honestly, yep. Jaden Brown's been so good this year, jumping between the number two and three spots. And I think she's lost one match. And Nicole Hammond's been excellent. She comes back another year. That said, I love you, Julia. I think Sydney Pratt has been as impressive as any freshman I've seen play throughout the country. I know her record's not outstanding. But again, this is an eye test thing. She just has mastered the speed. And she has the weapons. And she has the athleticism. I see all of the parts of the game. It's just getting it all to come together more consistently. Now, I'm not going to fight you. I agree. Michigan's ceiling is higher. I said they. I think there's a top eight seed because you see all of the flights coming together, whether it's, you know, Mesa Chirito at six, who's now won, I think, nine in a row and been so, you know, was outstanding last year. She's backed that up this season. Every time Julia plays a three-set match at five, you just say, here's a freshman getting another experience. Man, just wait till she figures it all out as a sophomore. And the power has always been evident with Julia. And then again, it's the experience. Serdan at four, coming back as a senior, love it. You know, Hammond, Brown, Miller as a top three, I'll take our chances. And you're right. If This team now has nine months to figure out doubles. And Ronnie knows that fact. She's not going to hear anything new on this podcast. She's not already well aware of. But if they figure out doubles, they're already finding four singles victories. That's why this team is so scary is because you already know all of the pieces. They're a young team that's only going to get more experienced. I assume that means you're leaning Michigan to beat Northwestern at home here at the end of the year, and they finish second in the conference. I am. Yeah, I've been more impressed with Michigan this season. 
I do think Northwestern's really good at doubles. I also think they have new pieces coming in in recruiting as well. And so, again, as we end our conversation at about the top of the conference, Ohio State, Michigan, Northwestern. A, do any of these teams, re, you know, how many get to the NCAA round of 16? How many get to the NCAA quarterfinals this season? Give me the power rankings for them heading into next year as well. Ooh, okay. Um, Ohio State makes the round of 16. They're going to host, by the way, unequivocally. They will be top 16. It's the second yeah. weekend that Jay and I are referring to. It, very unlikely they'll be top eight. Yep. You know, Michigan did it last year, right? They went on the road, uh, made the Sweet 16. I think the big thing will be where they get sent. Michigan-Florida is just a match for my nightmares. Or like Michigan-Auburn, <laughs> ugh. Yeah. You know, I think it's just going to be Ohio State in the round of 16. I haven't seen enough from either Michigan nor Northwestern to think that they could pull off the upset. I think there's a lot of other sneaky good number two seeds that we'll see in that 17 through 25 range that are more likely to pull it off. So I think we just see Ohio State. Next question was power rankings for next season. No quarterfinals? No. Okay, yeah, next season. Yeah. Although, you know, if if any of them do, and Ohio State would be the most likely to, I mean, they're the de facto home team, right? If they make yeah. the quarterfinals at Illinois. So, you know, that's definitely a, a good carrot. You know, next season, I think you still have to, I think you go Ohio State, Ohio State, Michigan, Northwestern. You know, I know Ohio State loses a lot of pieces. Um, they still bring back Contos. They have Sidney Ratliff, who has been, I would argue, more impressive than some of the other freshmen we talked about. Um, both in doubles and in signals. And so they've got they've got pieces there um, that I think they'll be able to continue the momentum from this season on. You'll take them over Ohio uh, over Michigan next year. I will. <sighs> Fighting words. Fighting words, Jay. Good. That's something I can put on the bulletin board. It's all I'm here for on, on, no, on this. No, this is good. Uh, it's just like every podcast. I don't usually get things to hold against you because you don't give me the you – know, that's actually not true at all. You give me plenty of things that just all been breaking correct uh, so far <laughs> yeah. this season. That yeah, I'm said, always willing to go on the record. Yeah, exactly. That said, Ohio State's got probably their toughest test of the regular season remaining coming up this weekend, taking on a Wisconsin women's team that, again – I think has been extraordinarily good this season. I think clearly has taken a step forward. And again, you look at the record and the ranking for this Wisconsin team, currently 13-7 and seven overall, 44 in the current rankings, but 46 in the projected rankings, which means they would just miss the cut. They're 32-18 and 18 overall in doubles. That's led by the duo of Ariel Johnson, Ava Markham, who are 10-3 and three at the three spot, 14-4 and four overall. Cyan Mukertova, 11-6 at the one spot now they're seven and eight at number two and finding a number two doubles team has been a struggle all season long but this team has won a lot of doubles points you know they've they're 75 and 38 so they're winning two-thirds of their singles matches that success pretty evenly spread out across the lineup although two standouts Ava Markham who has gone all the way all the way from number three to number one where she's six and two overall and then Alina Mukartova 13 and five at the number three position when you look at this roster for uh, this Wisconsin team. Ava Markham's a senior, and that's certainly going to be a big loss. Antonella Stoika, who uh, has contributed in various different fashions, 12-4 and four overall. She is in the bottom half of the lineup. Those are two significant losses. But there's a nucleus there. And again, some of those returners, the size of the world, Taylor Cataldi, the freshman who's 13-6, yep. and six, she's coming back this season as well. The big number to me, 13-7 and seven overall, is this team. 4-3 loss to Oregon, 4-3 loss to USC, 4-3 loss to Northwestern, 4-3 loss to Michigan. They have had you know 4-2 loss against Old Dominion that was a de facto 4-3 match. There are only 4-3 victories on the season. SMU, which is a really good win on the road, and then this past weekend over Minnesota. I mean, you flip even one of those 4-3 losses, I think this team is comfortably in the top 40. They've got a shot this weekend at home against Ohio State. I mean, obviously, this is a big building block year, I think, for them. And I do think they'll get another clinched in NCAA tournament berth on the banner because I think they're the favorites of the pack uh, to make the semifinals. Twofold question. 
Is this team good enough to be in the tournament, Jay? And your thoughts on what they're building over in Madison? They're definitely good enough to be in the tournament. Absolutely. Um, I actually think that's one of the hard parts about the Big Ten is I think if any of these conferences, you are more likely to miss the tournament as a good team, in my opinion, from the Big Ten than you are some of these other conferences. Because I think the that 10 to 25 range that we've talked about often inflates some of these teams that are maybe not as good, right, when you look across the country. So I actually think it hurts the Big Ten a lot. This Wisconsin team is absolutely uh, good enough to be in the tournament. You're right. I mean, they flip one of those 4-3 matches. We're probably having a very different conversation about this Wisconsin team. So they look very strong. You, you mentioned some of the, the the numbers. I mean, to me, it's like they're not outstanding in any respective singles possession. They're very good everywhere with maybe a slight dip at the top of the lineup. But they take doubles points they're going to be competitive at every single position, which means, you know, you look at an Ohio state this weekend, there's no reason they can't beat Ohio state, right? Ohio state has really struggled with doubles. Markham has looked really strong. Cataldi down at the bottom of the lineup. Like there are a lot of paths forward for this Wisconsin team. They've just run into a few roadblocks along the way. And man, if they miss the tournament, I think it would be a big disappointment. Wisconsin right now tied for fourth with Illinois, five and two overall in conference play. That said, they've already beaten uh, Illinois five two on the road. They've already beaten a Minnesota team that's very much in the hunt. Minnesota right now uh, currently sixty one in the projected rankings. Now they haven't and they don't play Nebraska. But again, you look for this. They've got Ohio State left. Their only losses are to Michigan and Northwestern, two tournament teams in conference play. You look for Wisconsin left on the schedule. They've got Penn State. They've got Ohio State, Purdue, and Indiana. They should go three and one in those matches. Now, will three and one be good enough? That's the question. Four or five seed doesn't matter to them. Like they want another shot at an Illinois. They want another shot at a Minnesota to bolster their resume. And so, again, they'll get that opportunity. Uh, and then potentially, again, this is the first of two critical matches with the Buckeyes. If they can go one and one in those two matches, there's no doubt. That's the way you cement your status is you get a win over the Buckeyes. If not here, I'm projecting out, I know, but a conference tournament semifinal as well. The path is there for Wisconsin even without that win. That's how you lock it in. Yeah, I actually, I mean, looking at the, the numbers now, the path is absolutely there, right? They're counting in their eight and nine victories, four pointers, Yeah, right? Like two, four pointers. So you mentioned a three and one victory, like, yeah, that's absolutely going to help, right? You're at, then you're talking, at least you're going to get like a, a few 20 pointers on the board. That's help. Like there's, there's room for improvement with this Wisconsin team, even without that Ohio state win. So, and then you add another win from you know, the big 10 tournament. Like they, they seem to control their own destiny, which is good. Now they can't afford to lose, right? They can't afford to lose it, lose any of those matches outside of Ohio state, but they've got room for improvement, which is good for Wisconsin fans. I agree. And again, Mukertova, uh, and Markham are delivering the goods this season. And, you know, as is Stoika. And your your upperclassmen are delivering. Cataldi's come through as a freshman as well. There are just pieces there. And, again, yep. it's been a very successful season for Wisconsin. You look elsewhere because, again, I do think this is the level where you look beyond the NCAA tournament. There is still some depth there. I think Illinois at 13-7 and is a very good team that certainly, as I mentioned earlier, has their opportunities left on their schedule to earn a signature victory. They get a shot at Michigan, right, and they're going to get a chance to you know, bolster their resume. I think this Minnesota team, you know, who plays Northwestern 4-3, plays Wisconsin 4-3, they've had a couple of tough losses, 2-5, and five, but a good 2-5 and five in conference play. And then I swear to God, again, I have eyes. And watching these teams such as, you know, uh, the Michigan States of the world, who are currently 78 in the rankings, 9-9 nine and nine overall, or even the Purdue's, Indiana's, Iowa's of the world, there's not a single bad team. There's no blowout rollover team, in my opinion, in the Big Ten Women's Conference this season. That would be my final thoughts on where things stand. And again, right now, just conference standings, Ohio State number one undefeated, Michigan Northwestern tied for second, only one loss. They'll play in Ann Arbor still this regular season. Illinois, Wisconsin tied for fourth with two losses, Nebraska four and three, Penn State four and three, everyone else under 500 with two weeks to go. Your final thoughts on this Big Ten Women's Conference. 
Yeah, I mean, just looking at the conference, particularly that five spot of Illinois, that's another team that, you know, they continue to get some of these wins down the home stretch. They're definitely not out of it, right? They're, they only have three wins above 20 points, so they can get a few more a few more wins on the board towards the end of the season. They're sitting at 48 right now on the outside looking in. They're also in it, but that's probably where things end. Yeah, and if we're being honest, I would argue the Big Ten, uh, the Illinois women probably have a better shot at qualifying for the NCAA tournament at this point than the Illinois men. And with that in mind, let's switch gears and talk about the Big Ten men. And I think the place we have to start is with Illinois in the weekend they had. And typically, we are a glass half full type of show here. We want to celebrate the victories. No need to dwell on the losses when there are so many victories that happen week in, week out, match in, match out across collegiate tennis. That said, you know, in 2013, Illinois had a really good team. Jared Hiltzik, Ferris Gosea, you know, again, Kapinski's and the uh, Roskiones of the world. He'd get mad if I didn't say his name. You know, that team lost early and didn't make it to the final site, Sweet 16 in Champaign. Will they get the NCAA tournament back coming off of a year where they won the Big Ten championship or won the Big Ten postseason tournament and made the NCAA round of 16 and had just about everything break their way. But early on, no Kwesi Kenyatta for the year. You know, Carlos Ozalans, we know, will not be playing this season for the Illini. You've had so many different injuries to Monsi. And, you know, really the only two consistent things have been Olivier Stewart and Hunter Heck. All due respect to Nick Meister, who has given one hell of an effort for them in the bottom of the lineup. But, I mean, this was the, you know, nail in the coffin, proverbially. This was the pin in the balloon for Illinois this past weekend as they dropped matches to Nebraska and Wisconsin, who, again, glass half full perspective. It's a really good weekend uh, for both Nebraska and Wisconsin, who have put themselves, you know, in position to finish in that coveted, you know, top four. In the Big Ten, well-deserved for both programs, for Sean in particular, after the struggle that was last season. How can you not feel good for Nebraska, who might be the best 6-14 and 14 team uh, we've seen in quite a bit of time? Um, but, I mean, yeah, the balloon has popped for Illinois. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, this was a rough weekend. I think you're right. Nail in the coffin, right? Not only are they going to miss out on the final host site, right? They're going to miss out on the tournament, uh, barring, you know, wins over Michigan and Ohio State in uh, in the Big Ten tournament. So rough weekend and sort of inexplicable, right? I mean, yes, they lost, you know, a handful of guys last season. They lose Kova, they lose Zeke. But you look at the lineup right now. I mean, they've and got no way C- Cliff, who lost and- one match for them last year's. Yep. Um, you know, yes, you had the injuries that you talked about, but you still had Monty in the, this weekend. You still had Hunter Hack. You had Alex Brown. You had Oliver Stewart. Um, and and to lose these matches is uh, is 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 pretty disappointing. And um, I don't know what else to say because they have a guy in Hunter Hack. He belongs in high level, high intensity, high performance matches. Hack's won seven in a row. He's 13 and four this year. He's played anywhere from the one through four spot. That's a piece any coach in the country would kill to have. And he's big match hunter. I've been at these matches. He just has the energy, embraces that moment, embraces the crowd, finds the big shot in the big moments, uses his athleticism to track down that extra ball. He's got it. Outside of that, again, Olivier Stewart, who in my opinion has fought his ass off for this team. Uh, throughout the course of the year, playing in the top two singles positions, playing a lot of number one when Monsi was out with injury early on. Like, even again, that one bright spot in the lineup, he's 5-7 and seven overall in singles. Meister, 7-7. Seven and seven. Guzowskis, the freshman, 4-9. and nine. Brown, 5-9. and nine. Monsi, who's dealt with injuries, of course, 4-8. and eight. You know, they're also 26-28 and 28 in doubles. It just, it's been a tough year. They don't have the depth. 
they feel like they're a guy short at the top as well, right? It feels like if Monty and Stewart are your two and three, you're in really good shape. If they're your one and two, you're missing a guy. And like, again, Heck is good anywhere. But if you can play Heck at four, that's a really good top four. And I, that's what this team is missing is Carlos Ozalens, the big server, to just slide into that number one spot or even the number two spot and just provide depth to the rest of this roster. They feel his absence. They feel Kenyatta's absence. It's just a bunch of things broke against this Illinois team. I, I've, again, Ozalens does a number for this roster because he is the big server, because he is the big man. You feel like you're getting a piece in both singles and doubles. This team is just missing guys. They just feel short this year. Yeah, well, I mean, like the lineup you talked about of Monty at two, Heck and Brown, three and four. I mean, that's a top 16 team, right? But with Monty, Heck, Brown, that should not be an 0-2 on the weekend in the Big Ten team, right? So, yeah, they're, they're, they're one, two guys short if they want to stay at the level they've been at year after year. But even with the guys they do have, I would say they have more than just heck, right? And yes, there have been injuries and things like that that have definitely derailed the season um, more well, holistically. It just, feels like, it just feels like it's an accumulation of things where the guy, and this was kind of the culmination of all of that. Yeah, it's like death by a thousand cuts, it's right? A hundred percent. Yeah, and that was this past weekend. Yeah, and now on the flip side, because we're a glass half full sort of show here, let's talk about the Wisconsin-Nebraska glass half full sort of the equation. I mean, again, you look right now at the Big Ten standings, and uh, again, we're going to have these final two weekends of Big Ten play on our Cracked Rackets uh, cross-court cast Sunday for you on our YouTube channel. You look right now, again, at the Big Ten men's standings, where things sit right now. Ohio State, Michigan undefeated. They'll play in Columbus on Friday. We'll talk about that match momentarily. Northwestern, 4 and 2 overall in conference play, 16 and 7 overall on the season. They're tied with or they're a half game ahead of Wisconsin, who's 3 and 2 overall in conference play, 9 and 9 overall on the season. But again, right now Wisconsin sits 4th in the Big 10 standings. You look for uh Wisconsin here this season. Their losses in Big 10 play, uh losses at Michigan and a loss to Northwestern 5-2. Again, those are two of the three teams ahead of them in the standings. Now, they haven't played Ohio State yet, and you look uh, for this Wisconsin team coming up on the schedule. Certainly, uh, things are going to stay interesting for them over these next couple of weeks, as I believe, and I don't want to be incorrect here, but for Wisconsin down the home stretch of Big Ten play, they have uh, Ohio State in Madison, Penn State next weekend. They've got the Indiana Swiss. Indiana and Purdue here. Jay, they should finish the season over 500. They should finish the season uh, probably six and three in conference play. They should finish the season in fourth place in the Big Ten standings. And that's a massive victory for this Wisconsin team who went on the road at Nebraska, earned a 4-3 win. Again, it's not where Coach Westerman wants the team to be, but fourth place is an absolute step in the right direction in Madison. Oh, 100%, right? And they should go 3-1 and one this weekend, so they'll finish strong on the year going into that Big Ten tournament. I mean, I think fourth is, again, maybe not where the program wants to be, but that's a big win for this program. And, you know, I'm not sure on the NCAA, they're, it's going to be tough, although they do have a lot of room. I mean, it's kind of the story with these Big Ten teams. You start looking at April and you're going, man, like Wisconsin, we've got three, four-pointers on our record. Like, we can just get a few more of these and start to, to inch our way back up. But yeah, I've been super impressed with this Wisconsin team. Definitely better than the rankings would say similar to the women, to be honest. Um, and it's, it's been a good season and they will be 500. And now the question is, can they, gain 15 spots in the rankings. Yeah, now, again, it's always tough because they've got three seniors listed on their roster in Pratt, Soha, and Vile. I'm not sure if those guys are fourth-year or fifth-year seniors. If they're all coming back next year, now you bring back the whole roster. And, again, the top performer for them, Tim Zerinsky, uh, who's the sophomore, 12-5 and five overall in singles play at the bottom of the lineup. That's a piece for them moving forward. And again, the experience picked up by the Robin parts of the world and the Gabriel Hoobers of the world. 
this has been a good year for Coach Westerman, for sure. And if they are seniors, they're making the most of this opportunity. Now, again, they're probably going to finish fourth. They're probably going to have two matches against the Buckeyes. They almost assuredly need to win at least one of them to get into the NCAA tournament. You got three seniors in the lineup. Swing freely. And at least they've put themselves in that position, right, to win the 4-3 match at Nebraska, to play Northwestern tight the way they did. Now, look, you have to sweep the Indiana swing because Purdue, Indiana, two teams you need to beat. I thought Purdue looked pretty good last weekend against Michigan and then a really impressive road win over Michigan State. Those matches are on the road. They have to win them. This team proved it once against Nebraska. If they take care of business, they'll at least give themselves a shot against Ohio State. Yeah, and they'll feel the momentum, right? All coming off of this weekend, the win over Illinois. Do they play Ohio State first? I, I think Ohio State is the Friday here. Let me look for you. I can get you the exact answer. They play Ohio State next weekend. This weekend's the Indiana Got swing. It. Then Ohio yeah. State okay. next Friday, Penn State. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, they if they sweep through the Indiana, Indiana swing, you're feeling good. Swing with confidence against Ohio State. You know, look, you might not beat them, but put a, a good, good effort there will at least give them more confidence going into the Big Ten tournament. You know. I think this is a this is a win for this this Wisconsin program. Yeah, and then on, on another note for Nebraska, who you look two and three in conference play, six and fourteen overall. That said, again, Nebraska has played some really good matches over the past couple of weeks, and you know I know they fall short against Northwestern, but I thought they played pretty well in that match, falling four, uh, you know, uh, losing that match, I believe four three, and then yep. uh, you know again for them to beat Illinois the way they do 4-2 to them to be right there against Wisconsin, lose that match 4-3, get a, you know, a good victory over Michigan State and take that match 4-3, get a good win over UCF, who has come alive of late, uh, certainly as well. This team is just trending in the right direction. Again, there are a bunch of seniors on this roster, but after all the injuries and all the nonsense, you look right now at the projected rankings in the Big Ten. Nebraska's sixth. Like, they're 77. There are seven top 100 teams in the Big Ten. Nebraska's one of them. Yeah, I was impressed with that Northwestern match. I mean, that was a 3-3 match. Came down to number six singles. So, overall, I was I was impressed with that performance. It shows to me... Nebraska's 28 and 21 in doubles, too. It's like they're, they're under 500, I think, in every flight in singles. But they they are recognizing that and saying, thus we need that 1-0 lead. Yeah. And they got that against Northwestern, right? And then they were just short with the finding the the third singles. So it, it also tells me that the gap potentially between that Northwestern team and the Wisconsin and the Nebraskas of the world might not be as big as mm. you don't think so? I think there's a healthy delta. Well, so that's okay. my question. Let's go there next because on my outline, it says, quote, is Northwestern good? Dalton, please don't fire me. Obviously, Presley Thieneman, uh, older brother Dalton Thieneman, very much a part of our efforts here at Cracked Rackets. You look for this Northwestern team right now, third in the Big Ten, four and two overall in conference play, 16 and seven overall on the season, 26 in the current rankings, 27 in the projected rankings. How good is this Northwestern team? I mean, they started the year really strong, right? They started the year with some good wins over ACC opponents in particular. I have not been as impressed with them down the home stretch. I think they've played some of the Big Ten competition. Either they've gotten blown out by the the Michigan, Ohio States of the world, or they've played kind of the other teams really close, whether it was a close 5-2 or a 4-3 match. So that's where I'm Michigan thinking pretty close at home. I mean, they had match points on all three doubles uh, courts and ultimately dropped that doubles point. They extended a bunch of different matches two, three sets. Now, Michigan pulled away in the end. I would reject the premise that they didn't play well against Michigan. But just to your point, to provide some color other uh, for their losses four two to Memphis. That one hurts. 4-0 at North Carolina, 6-1 at Vanderbilt hurts, 4-3 to Columbia, 4-2 at NC State, 4-0 at Ohio State, 5-2 against Michigan. I don't think any of those are particularly disqualifying. Now, you look at the best wins. 4-3 against Duke. That's probably their best of the season. 4-2 at Notre Dame is a very nice win for sure. You know, a 4-3 win at Oregon is fine. They just don't have a signature victory. Uh, Like, again, they beat Wisconsin and Nebraska on the road. Those are good wins. 
They're not great wins. They've played a lot of good teams close, but they don't have a win over a good team yet. I mean, over a very good team other than Duke this year. Yeah, and that happens. That was a kickoff weekend, right? You know, surprisingly, that match is listed as as no, that's not right. Okay, that date is wrong. It says March twelfth. That can't be correct. That was like February twelfth. Yeah, it feels well. It was a lifetime ago for me. It yeah, feels like forever I agree. ago. Um, yeah, I mean, that's where it's like you know, I I don't really see this Northwestern team as like top twenty team. I see them more as like a. 20 to 40 team. And I think some of these big 10 teams might be a little underranked. Like I'm not convinced the Delta is that big. Like I would not surprise me at all to see Northwestern lose to any one of these big 10 teams that we've talked about that are not Michigan or Ohio state in the big 10 tournament. They're solid, you know, 32 and 24 overall in doubles. Again, probably should have taken what would have been Michigan's only second loss of the season in doubles over the Wolverines weren't able to do it. Simon, uh, excuse me, Steve Foreman in his senior season, 16-3 and three at the number one spot. The lefty's been exceptional. Yeah, he's he been just great. has weapons. He just hurts you. Uh, I think the other senior, Simon Bratholm, 10-7 and seven at the two spot. Trice Pickens, 15-5 and five overall in the year, 11-5 and five at three. Their top three can hang with anyone, and you've got the seniors up there. You better play your best. Now, Berdusco, 6-7, and seven, but 6-3 and three at the number six spot. He's been solid, I, I would say. Presley Thieneman, who 8-8 eight and eight overall in the year, but 7-3 and three in his last 10. He's won five in a row. He's rounding into form. They're 6-15 and 15 at five. I mean, they're definitely a guy short in the singles lineup in terms of, and that's what prevents them, I would say, from being top 20. And to your point, this is not a team, in my opinion, that is in contention to host a regional f- uh, flight. This is a team that's going to be a feisty round two opponent for whomever it is that they face. They're an experience. Again, there's a lot of seniors in this roster, so it does feel like it's a now sort of moment, and there's an urgency to this team. That I would, I'm excited to see matchup number two, whether it's against Ohio State, who embarrassed them. I mean, Ohio State crushed them in Columbus, or Michigan. I'm very excited to see who that you know Northwestern face off against that team a second time. If they make it there. Yeah, oh, I think that, yeah, it's they should. Uh, it's going to be a good litmus test. You, there's a good it will word. be. Uh, yeah, uh, for you there. All right, with that said, again, we talked about this on, on the women's side. It's going to be a briefer conversation here on the men's side as we look towards the rest of the conference. Purdue escaping with that victory over Michigan State. Looked like Michigan State, after fighting off four match points in doubles was gonna, and extending things uh was going to perhaps take that doubles point, but ultimately Purdue takes it and then a pretty comfortable victory. I thought their freshman, the Italian, whose name is escaping my mind in this moment, I apologize. He's legit. He's just got it. The speed, the hands, the passing shots. He's going to be a heck of a player. I think Bennett, I just love the energy Bennett plays with and big win for him over Winkler uh, to help clinch that victory for Purdue. But you know they're 9-10 and 10 overall. It's been a really tough year for Indiana, five and thirteen. Michigan State earned some, you know, a lot of wins, fourteen and ten, but and a really good first Big Ten win for them this past weekend over Indiana, dropping the doubles point, but coming back to find four singles victories, particularly on a senior weekend. And shout out to Jack Winkler for uh, a massive win for him with all the health struggles he's gone through. That said, them Penn State at eleven and ten. Those are your final four teams, like. It was a tough. It's been a tough year for the Big Ten men. I, I like it would just be a lie to say anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's almost it's the like re- the reverse of what we've seen happen on the Big Ten women's side, where sure. a lot of those, um, yeah, you know, the bottom top half teams are it's it's literally top heavy. That's what you got in the Big Ten. Exactly, the and I would and I would say that like what used to be this like twenty five to forty ish range of teams has now started to to dissipate right and i feel like it's the, uh, the happening the other state, way no, how many times did jeffson's penn state teams go to virginia that opening weekend it's just like every time second round virginia penn state i agree 100 the russell bader years yeah um <laughs> it's a deep cut that's um good. that's just for you and me yeah um so yeah i mean so i Leonard feel Stikowski. like moving and shout out there you go in this good names here um so, you know, the wrong direction, right? It's been a tough year moving in the wrong direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said, any parting Big Ten thoughts for us? Oh, 
Yes, I have parting Big Ten thoughts. We ignored it. We save it till the very end. Week ahead and the showdown in Columbus. Jay, I just need to make sure you were paying attention here. Um, all right. With that, I didn't in know mind, we were about to end it. I was like, um, <laughs> yeah. No. With that in mind, let's talk, talk about. about the week ahead. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the week ahead. Showdown in Columbus, Michigan versus Ohio State, part two. Michigan a four zero win over the Buckeyes earlier this season in Columbus. I'm just trying to say that on as many podcasts as possible. Um, I mean, look, Ohio State has two losses, 4-3 national indoors to TCU, 4-0 on the road in Ann Arbor. They're going to be amped. I bet there's over 500 people in the crowd, probably near 1,000 if they let them all in. We talked about this on the men's episode of The Deciding Point. I've already shared my thoughts. Give me yours. Give me your prediction. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard your thoughts yet. Um, It's going to be fascinating. You know, um, I think Michigan takes dubs. Uh, you know, they've lost only a few dubs points this year. Ohio State, despite having just such strong doubles teams on paper, has, in my opinion, struggled more than I expected. Looking at the the matchup that happened in Michigan, I'm fascinated to see what lineup changes we see happen. Um, I I just my, my gut tells me Ohio State takes this and the, the tiebreak will be at the Big Ten tournament, which I think is fitting. Uh, it's just tough to see Michigan beating this Ohio State team in Columbus with the with that level of fan support. All right, I say four three Wolverines because hell will freeze over before I pick against them. I mean, look, the match, the only matchup I'm certain about is I think Michigan, and even then, I there's a cloud of doubt because it's at home, and like if it's Robbie Cash at home, man, is that a different beast? Michigan should win six. Outside of that, you have toss ups everywhere. Everywhere. The last match proved it. The stats prove it. It's going to be freaking good. It's going to be really, really fun. Um, I wonder if, again, do we get to see Votzel take on Styler this time instead of Kingsley? What's the move going to be for these teams? There's some different lineup chicanery that's in place. With that in mind, talk to me. Oh, uh, Any final thoughts on that? And then talk to me about the weekend ahead in the Big Ten, what you see. Well, this is the marquee match on the men's side. I'm fascinated by the Wisconsin women's match. Um, we talked about that in the deciding point, you know, them playing Ohio State. You made the upset call. Um, I'm just, my very, goal is to piss off Ohio State fans this week. There you go. Yeah, I Yeah, I mean, both men and women losing these matches. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's what I'm watching. I think, look, I'm on the men's side, right? This Michigan-Ohio State match is going to be fascinating. It felt like, no offense, but this Michigan team kind of came out of nowhere um, with the wins over TCU, Baylor, Ohio State, and just in such convincing fashion. Like, I kind of feel like, well, when is the shoe going to drop? And I'm very curious to see if this happens this weekend. Not to say anyone would hold it against them too badly if they were to lose pretty convincingly to Ohio State, but just fascinating to see this. Like, can they do it again? Can they go 2-0 here? Uh, so that's what I'm very much looking forward to on the men's side. Yeah. It's going to be good. And again, there are plenty of other juicy matchups sprinkled uh, throughout the weekend, and we'll have a bunch of them on Sunday on our Crack Rackets Big Ten cross-court cast. Talk to me about the women's side. Certainly Wisconsin-Ohio State is tasty. What else are you going to keep your eye on? Yeah. Um, I mean, i got to see this Northwestern team in action more um, when they come down through the home stretch, right? I mean, they're going to be facing – Illinois, Michigan State, that's a must-win match against Illinois. And for Illinois, it's a must-win match too, right? They're trying to get into the top 44. So that's the probably the – if Wisconsin-Ohio State is my like marquee women's match, I'm very fascinated to see Illinois and Northwestern. They're all going to be good. It's going to be a really yeah. fun day of action. And again, you can follow all the matches on Sunday on our Cracked Rackets broad, uh, cross-court cast, which you can find – on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, if you're looking for more college tennis coverage, turn to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Jay joins me Tuesday, every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time, live on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel to break down all the Division I women's action. Of course, we do the same for the men Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you're looking for pro updates, head on over to the Mini Break podcast feed. We've got you covered on all the action happening in Monte Carlo. And, of course, for all of your coverage, turn to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube at cracked rackets you want to message me directly at al gruskin a shout out as always to super producer daniel westoff for the 
of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout-out to our friends at Turna as well. Remember, go to uh, contact email at sales at uniquesports.com. Excuse me, email sales at uniquesports.com today to join the Turna family. With that said, for my fantastic co-host, John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turna, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell the people? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.